LinkedIn presents. What we need to acknowledge is basically that we need to unlearn a lot of things about learning. Like, and I think that if everyone goes back to their childhood, I would say that curiosity is in everyone. I mean, from start. So for me, that is something that we as humans, we are curious because that's the only way that we have survived. That was Mentimeter Chief People Officer Anna Gulstrom. And in this episode, Anna and I go deep on a couple different things. You know, she has such an interesting background that spans design, creative, digital, and a lot more. And we talk about how that shapes how she thinks about the people function. We discuss the power of curiosity and how to tap back into that using design thinking in building people and HR operating systems, the power of vulnerability and role modeling, and a lot more. And we will be back with that conversation right now. Amplify connects, develops, and empowers the next generation of transformative people leaders through HR executive search and the Amplify Academy learning and leadership development platform. Our executive search practice brings a modern approach to executive search by transparent pricing, unique access to emerging and established leaders, and onboarding advisory. Our Amplify Academy is changing how HR practitioners and leaders develop their careers through peer communities, the AI Learning Lab, and leadership development cohorts. Together, these platforms support our mission of building a better world of work by elevating the field of HR. You can learn more at AmplifyTalent.com. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Redefining Work Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I am joined by Anna Gulstrand. She is the Chief People Officer at Mentimeter and has a fascinating career and background that is in HR, it is in design, it is in operating, and there's a lot that I want to learn from you, Anna. So thanks so much for coming on the show. I'd love to have you open with an introduction for the audience. Yes, of course. Yeah, so my name is Anna, and I'm uh, uh, born and raised in a small city in Sweden. And I work at Mentimeter, uh, which is an engagement platform like to make your meetings and trainings more engaging and interactive. And the reason I really love to work at Mentimeter is because uh, I've been devoted my whole life to also help like group to fl- flourish and, and the teams to get to a high performing stage and understand more about the brain and group dynamics and all those things. So for me, it's like uh, super exciting to just work at the company where the product is doing that. And I also work with people and culture questions. And I have a 24 people strong people and culture team at Metimeter and we are 320 people in total and we have an office in Toronto, an office in Stockholm and also opening up an office in Sydney. Okay. Well, yeah, well, I want to, I want to kind of go back in your career before we even get into the, the, the HR stuff, the people stuff, because, you know, following your background, you know, you had a fascinating career that has spanned, as I mentioned, you know, design, uh, you've had your own agency, you've led design teams, you've run businesses, you've been a founder. You've been obviously a chief people officer now for a period of time, and we'll talk about this. You were the the interim CEO of the organization as well. How do you think about your career growth and development? Because I think, you know, there, there are some people who, you know, they have a very set idea of what they want their career to be, and it's a path that they typically follow. I think that is becoming more infrequent in terms of how people think about 
their career. Certainly it's not how I think about my career. Uh, clearly it's not how you think about your career. So like, what, what is your career philosophy? How do you, how do you think about the things that you want to do next and allow that to guide your decisions? No, that, I, I think I, I was fortunate that I find, found a school very early on uh, that challenged my idea of, of what a career is. So when I was around 22, I joined uh, a digital media creative school that, uh, uh, that's called Hyper Island. And basically what Hyper Island, I mean, Hyper Island was teaching uh, like digital business model, creativity, innovation, all that, all that. But it was teaching it in a, in a way where we talked a lot about how we work together. Like what are the values uh, that are uh, driving us a lot about like intrinsic motivation, learning, purpose. And we got a lot of tools on how to understand human beings and our needs and what a team need to be able to perform. And we also got challenged to push our teams to becoming more high performing. So, uh, and also it was a school, uh, a self-leadership school, I would say, uh, or a school for self-awareness, uh, emotional regulation <laughs> and self-leadership. So we got asked a lot of questions, like quite like challenging questions about our values. Why are you here? What are what are driving you? Uh, what are your strengths? Why are you valuing what you're valuing? What it, like what like if you look back from where you were a kid, what made you the person you are? Like those questions we got very early on. So when I was only 22, I was asked those questions. And I think that a lot of people start to think about these questions so much later in life. Uh, but I, I did it very early. I was pushed to do it very early. So, so for me, then it was very clear, like uh, one of my drivers in life is actually to learn, to learn, to learn new things. Uh, and I'm very curious by nature. So, so I guess that curiosity I never felt a need to have a clear career path or a clear career goal. So I guess my, my goal is to check in with myself. Like, do I feel challenged? Do I feel joy? <laughs> do I feel meaningfulness? And if I do that, I, I'm performing much higher. And then actually opportunities will, will, uh, will uh, arise. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I don't know if that is answering your question, but I, I, that is like, uh, I guess I, I'm a bit like later on, I learned about the Ikigai framework. I don't know if you you know, it's yeah. like a Japanese yep. framework. Yeah. So basically, like, where's the intersection with with my passion, with my knowledge, what I can bring to the world and what I, I can actually get paid for. <laughs> so and find <laughs> that, yeah, and find that intersection. And I, I do do believe that without knowing it, that is like how I've been operating in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting hearing you say that because I think when you, when you, when you have the ability to find that intersection and work in that intersection, obviously, as you mentioned, like get paid to do something at that intersection, that's kind of magical, right? Like that's kind of the, 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 the sweet spot in, in life and work and the kind of, kind of that intersection that I think everybody strives for. Um, I want to come back to something you said on, on curiosity, because I think that, you know, obviously the, the field of HR has been evolving a lot over the last, uh, you know, decades, certainly the last several years. Um, you know, I've been really keying in on, on two 
success drivers in a lot of my work um, lately, which are network equity uh, and learning agility. And that learning agility piece, I think, has never been more important because the field has never been more complex and it's only getting more complex. And it's not just in the field. Like when you're in a role like yours, HR acumen isn't enough. Like people acumen isn't enough. You have to understand the business. You have to understand the external drivers that are impacting the workforce and the, and you know, geopolitical issues. I mean, so many things that you have to really understand. And, and it really, to me, it starts with curiosity. Anybody can learn, but if you're not innately curious, you know, learning can feel like a chore. It can feel like an additional thing on your plate that you have to do. But if you're curious, you're going to find ways to fulfill that. That's part of how you operate as a human. And so like, obviously in, in the school you were in, you had to go back to your childhood and kind of assess some of the things that maybe formed the person you became as an adult. Where do you think that curiosity came from? Did you ever kind of do any, any, you know, introspection back to maybe even your childhood to think about what, what kind of set you on that path that made you so curious? I agree with you about the learning agility. And I, I do think also what we need to acknowledge is basically that we need to unlearn a lot of things about learning. Like, and I think that if everyone goes back to their childhood, I would say that curiosity is in everyone. I mean, from start. So for me, that is something that we as humans, we are curious because that's the only way that we have survived. So basically it's, I would say that it's, in a way hardwired in our, in our brain because that is evolutionary. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, uh, it makes sense because yeah. we are here. We are the, the species that have taken over the world and there's a, a reason for that. And I, I believe that reason is curiosity. So I think what happens is that it's the, it's the school system or our parents or something in a, in an authoritative um, traditional society that basically ruins curiosity for us uh, in early age because suddenly we think that learning is something that you should do, you should study to the exam, you should listen to the professor, you should uh, um, learn uh, like it's like you're not learning for life, you're learning for the exam because you should get the grade and you need to have a grade to be able to, like there's a lot of like must yeah, yeah. have and all those, or have to, must, uh, should. Uh, and I do think that like there is some revolution that needs to happen in the, in the education system that is actually happening in, in, in many ways that where we could probably keep more of the curiosity uh, and, and making like, you know, growth mindset, uh, like uh, Carol Dweck research, like showing that like this intrinsic motivating um, to, to learn and not have a fixed mindset, but actually like uh, be curious on feedback, be curious on other people's perspective and all that. So, so I do think it starts in early age. Uh, and I think that everyone can, but probably you need to go back a bit to, if you've lost your curiosity on the way, you maybe need to do some, some uh, work to find it again. Um, and for yeah. me, Hydra Island helped me to to rediscover my, uh, my creativity and, and curiosity, uh, uh, I would say. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you framed that the way you did, because again, we were all children once we were innately curious as kids. And I think the education system, you know, largely is about memorizing 
facts and information. And sure, there's some, you know, concepts obviously that we use, but it, I think perhaps that stress and pressure uh, removes some of the joy of learning, you know, and maybe rewires it in our mind of like how we define learning and how we think of learning. And so, yeah, when you think about, obviously, you know, you had a school that allowed you to rekindle that joy. Um, are there any exercises maybe that you've learned, right? So if, if we have, you know, some of the, 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 the redefiners who are on the call right now, and maybe they're in that position where they've lost touch with some of that, the joy and curiosity and learning, how do you rekindle that? Uh, no, but I, I, I would say that, I, I mean, the power of asking questions, uh, like as leaders, that we, we are helping people to, to be curious when we start, stop telling them what to do or telling them how it is and instead ask questions. So, I mean, it, it actually boils down to, to facilitative leadership, uh, coach, uh, coaching, like these fundamentals that we already know works. So instead of giving people the answer, we, we ask a question and we make people think uh, by themselves. Uh, and I, I think that like, as I see it, like, uh, or, and also how we see it at Mentimeter is like that learning is everywhere. So basically it's not only for trainings, it's basically, for example, if we want all employees to understand our, our new strategy uh, as one example, or our new sales process or something like that, then we need to create an engaging learning experience around the strategy instead of just being on stage telling about the strategy. So how we think about it at Mentimeter, we, we think a, we, we see a lot of things as actually learning experiments or experiences, and we ask questions instead of giving answers. So we use like a lot of like reflection and and creating engagement and uh, making people reflect on on uh, and taking other people's perspectives and like social learning also super interesting when you learn together with other people uh, that makes you more curious uh, because you hear that you have different opinions different perspectives different knowledge and and you you take you take that in um, so so I guess like that's one way to do it like so basically ask questions instead of telling people <laughs> as simple yeah. as that uh, but also i would say that be more clear about the if you could call it like rules for learning or the be uh, learning behaviors or something like that that be more explicit with like we want you to be open. Uh, we want you to be transparent. We we do around and listen into everyone. We we take in anonymous feedback and questions so we can explore those questions together. We believe that the solution is in the team. Uh, it's not one person that has the, the solution. It's actually the collective intelligence of the team. So so like just stating those things over and over again to to get people into this like. Uh, learning mindset. So, yeah, asking questions and also being clear with behavioral expectations, so to say. Um, um, and then it's just practice. Um, yeah. But I, I do think reflection is very, uh, very powerful. So we do too much and reflect <laughs> too little. Uh, like also like at Mentimeter, I, I, I noticed that we're running, running, running uh, in a way. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that, that that's not, you're not alone in that with Mentimeter, right? I think most business th these days are wired to, you know, you've got deadlines, you've got OKRs, you've got what, whatever measurements you have. 
And you're working towards that. Everybody's working towards that. And and rarely is there much time for reflection. Um, but I also like the way you framed how you how you kind of uh, embed curiosity and growth mindset into the business by understanding that ideas can come from anywhere. And, and I think that that's another piece that is really, as we talk about kind of navigating you know, and really building and architecting this new world of work, we've got to find more ways to harness, as you mentioned, kind of that collective intellect of our workforce. Because, you know, historical, you know, industrial era constructs of work is, you know, I have a team, I need three types of widget builders, you're all coming in, you're all working on this very specific narrow thing that aligns perfectly with your skill set. You punch your clock, you do that, you go home, you come back the next day, you do it again. That's not the world of work now. We've got to find ways to better, you know, we, we, it, it, we cross over here a little bit when we talk about moving towards um, skill-based hiring and development versus role-based. And that creates more opportunity for growth within teams. It creates more transferable skills. But what it also does is it opens the idea that knowledge and, and, and ideas and perspectives don't necessarily have to come from that group that is tasked with that problem. You may have somebody in a, in a you know, ancillary group or somewhere off to the side, uh, and they might have, based on their own experience, uh, a very unique way of looking at that problem. And oftentimes, I think as businesses, we struggle to harness that. We struggle to tap into that and create mechanisms that allow our employees to be able to, to raise their hand and raise their ideas um, for projects outside of their own domain. And so I think when you build that in the culture as you have and you reinforce it, you're, you're, you're getting so much more output and contributions um, from your employees because you're not just you know, quote unquote, like using them in the job that they were hired to do, you realize their contributions can exceed that. And I think that's something that we need to think a lot more about uh, how we really, you know, conceptually, I think we're all there, but how do we operationalize that? And, and, you know, for you, do, do you have any mechanisms within Mentimeter that, that allow you to kind of, you mentioned, you know, uh, anonymous surveys and things like that, but what, what would be, if someone's, you know, listening and they're like, yes, like I've been struggling with this. How do I do that? What what answers would you have for them? Yeah, no, but I, I do think one interesting thing now is also all the conversations about artificial intelligence. And like, uh, so as I see it, if we operate as individuals only, then uh, actually artificial artificial intelligence can do most of the job you're doing because you're only... Uh, yeah, like one skill solving one thing. What makes like humans <laughs> like special and where we find innovation and creativity is basically we ha when we have a team working together, when we have this different knowledge, experience, perspective all together and we have this power of association basically. I do think like two uh, organizations should probably invest much more in team leadership and in team work than in building individual uh, contributor and in individual like uh, work, because uh, that those things you should actually automate, scale, and let the the robots do. Uh, to be frank, but when 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 we are at best, it's uh, when we're together. And what's super interesting is also that. This concept of energy that I, I talk a lot about in facilitation, that basically, as you know, like with flow, that there's, as a, as a group, you can actually 
feel that the energy is higher, that the motivation is higher, that the engagement is higher, the commitment is higher, the pace is higher. So there's something going on uh, here with like the group dynamics that we can like uh, unleash and, and harness more. So what we do at Mentimeter is that, that we actually uh, educate our leaders in, in a, a model that's called integrated uh, model of group development, which is this model explaining the different stages a team is going through and also help the leader to understand what leadership appro approach and behavior they need to, to, to do in each stage to be able to help the team to get to the next stage, basically. And what this research tells us is that when you are a stage one or stage two team, you are actually not efficient. You're not performing at your highest potential. You're not using the collective intelligence. And, and basically you are, uh, I mean, you're doing okay, uh, but you're not having this like full energy engagement performance that you could have. Uh, and you're, um, yeah, so, so that's what, uh, what the model is about. Uh, and the research also says that 50% of all teams in the world are get, are stuck in stage one or stage two. So they never reach a high performing stage. So at Mentimeter, what we do is like we, we teach this model. We work with our groups. So we do an assessment every third month or fourth or sixth month with our teams. So the people culture team helps them with that. And then we just present the result for the team. Like here's where you are at. These are the behaviors that you're seeing in your team right now. And here, here are the challenges or the conversations that you need to have to move, to move forward. Uh, and uh, this is particularly interesting in stage two, which is the conflict stage, basically, where there's a lot of like frustration, resistance, uh, like people like are just seeing each other's weaknesses and uh, there are like a, a risk that a lot of like personal, interpersonal conflicts uh, with, will uh, arise. So it's so important to be aware about this as a leader and to, to apply the, the right leadership in the right stage. And what's interesting is that it's very different leadership needed, uh, depending on on the stage of the team. So I think that is a very concrete way that we actually do this. And I, I think last year we ran like 40 or 50 uh, group assessments uh, and we are supporting our teams to, to reach a higher level of, of performance. And when you're in that level, then you really feel the like the team the team magic, and then you feel like no, we can't be replaced by an <laughs> by a robot. We're actually providing something unique here. HR leaders today are under immense pressure to deliver results for the business, navigate new social and business climates, and build adaptable people programs built for these dynamic times. We're often asked to do more with less. The new world of work requires new ways to learn and develop our capabilities as HR and people practitioners. The Amplify Academy was built from the ground up to help people leaders efficiently and effectively connect with diverse learning needs for today and tomorrow. The Amplify Academy provides you with highly curated resources, exclusive content, courses, and a community designed to help people leaders effectively support your organization and each other. There are two components to the Amplify Academy the Amplify Academy Learning Lab and Community, and the Amplify Academy Leadership Development Cohorts. The Learning Lab and Community includes an AI learning platform that includes a range of courses, resources, templates, presentations, reports, and more to support the learning needs of today's HR and people practitioners. 
The Learning Lab subscriptions also include access to the Amplify Academy Slack community, a purpose-designed community to help you build your network equity and connect, collaborate, and grow your network with peers around the world. The Amplify Academy cohorts are four-week immersive peer learning programs designed to help you build the leadership skills and network you need to lead successful teams in the new world of work. Cohort students learn from world-class guest instructors with past instructors including Katie Burke, Katarina Berg, Lynn Oldham, Pat Waters, Claude Silver, Nellie Peshkoff, and so many more. Want to supercharge your people team? Be sure to check out the Academy for Teams product. It's designed to give your people teams access to all 450 plus resources in the Learning Lab and build their network equity in the Slack community, as well as their leadership ability in the Amplify Academy cohorts. You can learn more about all of this at amplifytalent.com slash academy. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm very bullish on the potential for AI, particularly this new wave of kind of consumer grade and generative AI to make our work better, um, to be able to offload some of the things that we don't really, you know, that don't necessarily tap into our full potential as humans. Um, more of the like, you know, just that the, there's a range of areas where I think it's going to be super additive. And I think particularly for HR, like if you're working in HR or people today and you're listening to this conversation, I've said this several times, like invest in learning about AI now, like now the time is now it's not a week from now. It's not a month from now. It's right now because this revolution is, is happening. And, and I think if you can master some of these tools now, you're going to, it's going to be a 10 X for you as an individual in your career and your teams and your organization, because there's incredibly powerful tools out there that you can begin using now. So, so please like do not sleep on this, uh, you know, get, get involved, make space for, again, go back to curiosity and learning, make space for this because it is going to be transformative. Uh, and it's going to be in every aspect of our uh, HR and people systems much sooner than you think. Yeah, can I just add an interesting thing here? Because for me, everything is connected here. So basically what I see is like a stage three and four, uh, three or four team are so highly collaborative and so open. Uh, so they will, for example, when a new thing is coming, like AI, they will like, oh my God, how can we use this? What can we do about it? How can we make this um, make us perform even higher? While uh, a team that's more in the in the beginning, they will see it more as a, as a threat. Uh, so so that's also like the interesting part here that like that's why it's so important to to build psychological safety first of all, and then work with this kind of approach because. The more team you can have, the more teams you can have in in a high performing stage, the more open people will be towards uh, uh, what's happening in the world and external factors and and learning new things and applying new new technologies. Yeah, you know it's interesting too. I think when you apply that specifically the field of HR, you know those those high performing HR teams who are now looking at ways to leverage these new tools to add more value to the organization and the teams and the employees you know, versus the ones that are more in that kind of administrative transactional, you know, other side of HR where they see that as a threat, it's going to, it has the potential to broaden the gap between those two teams. And so again, I think majority of the field is some of HR is somewhere in the middle. These tools will help you get closer to that leading edge. Um, I want to go back to design for a moment because I know that you, um, obviously you, you've run your own agencies before you've worked in design and, and a range of different creative fields. 
I'm really curious about, you know, especially given your background in both design and HR, how does that design sensibility and experience, um, how do you incorporate that into your HR work? Because I think one of the things that we, we probably aren't talking about enough is the importance of communication in HR leadership. And, and I think, you know, historically, when we think communication, it's written communication. Uh, it's how well can you stand up at a town hall and talk about a new HR policy that like, yeah, you have to have that, but you've always had to have that. But now it's more of like, how do you communicate visually? How do you communicate digitally? How do you communicate with video, right? And in, in different formats, like a TikTok type format, not saying you need to use TikTok, but like those short informative video formats really resonate, uh, especially with younger uh, generations. And so I'm curious to get your perspective, like that deep design background in your experience, how does that inform and shape uh, how you operate as a chief people officer? No, but uh, first of all, I think one, like design, uh, you can apply um, design thinking or design processes also to like people, challenges or opportunities or employee journeys or whatever. So first of all, it helped me to actually uh, think of people in culture as designing experiences, for example. So, so I, I think that is um, that has helped me in the recruitment of our people in culture team because I have looked very like outside of the box when I've been recruited and recruiting to my team. So, for example, I, I've, uh, we, we, have, uh, we, we don't have that many people that are from a traditional HR background. Instead, we have uh, like, um, learning, like learning designers, we have facilitators, we have group developers, we have coaches, we have organizational psychologists. Uh, we actually have uh, one person, one of our employee experience managers, he's from the hospitality, um, um, yeah, from hospitality, so he's been working at Four Seasons uh, Hotels. So in one way, it helped me that way to just like, you know, think broader uh, about designing experiences because like it is an experience. You come, you come to the, for example, you come to the office for an interview, to our office for an interview. What kind of experience do we want to design for that person? Like when, when they are entering the, the, the doors, how do, do we want it to feel, to smell? Uh, what do we want them to think? What do we want them to feel? Uh, those are the things that a designer thinks about all the time. Uh, so I guess that has helped me uh, a lot. The other thing uh, is to, um, I guess, to not... Um, so in our employer branding, for example, we, we, we call it like employer doing instead of employer branding. And with, that, and with that, we mean basically that we invest in our people like in our employees, we invest in our own learning, in our own office experience. We actually bring the whole company to a, a, another site or another European city one month a year. So we were all in Vienna for one month. We've been, uh, the Toronto office were in Buenos Aires for one month. So like we, we invest a lot in ourselves with the idea that that will have like a ripple eff effect because if we are motivated, if we are inspired, if we if we feel proud of our workplace, that is basically our employer brand. So, so I guess what we are doing communication wise is that we are not actually having, you know, these communicators in our 
HR team. Instead, all the employees are our communicators and they have, you know, they have these updated skills. They know video, they do Instagram, they do whatever. So, so okay, maybe I'm, I'm making this a bit too simple, but it's like, <laughs> it's actually a, a very clear like value and mindset that we have, that we are not marketing our company. Instead, we invest in ourselves uh, and make sure that we enjoy our time uh, at Mentimeter. Well, look, I think there's a there's an authenticity to your brand when you do that, right? Because then people who are sharing are sharing their experience. They're not sharing campaigns. They're sharing their lived experience, right? And it's a very different thing that I think resonates differently. I mean, you know, especially now, like the field of employer brand is, you know, the digital version of it now has been over a decade in the making. So there's pretty sophisticated teams, but there's also some, you know, much more savvy job seekers and they know when they're being marketed to, as opposed to being, uh, you know, invited inside to take a look at what is actually happening, not a campaign that is presented to make something look a certain way that may not be like the day-to-day reality. Uh, no, but I just realized now when you asked the question that actually this is inspired by how I worked with consumer brands back in the days because the, the, the consumer brands were more, I mean, all this like trust pilot or ratings or uh, a lot of like customers getting pissed off because bad customer support, you know, like on social media, that happened before I would say those services came into HR. So, so I mean, I, I know for sure that the most important thing is that you create a great experience and then people tell about the experience and then you get the referrals and you get the, the, the five stars and, and that will spread basically. Uh, so, uh, and then, I mean, much later we got Glassdoor, much later we got um, like within HR, actually this transparent systems that actually shows uh, the ratings of, of the CEO or the employer or whatever. So, so I mean, I, I guess like consumer brands uh, had to face this, uh, this like the most important thing is to be customer centric and to basically be uh, to great, to create great services or great products. That's where everything starts. So I guess I, in a way, maybe apply the same uh, thinking for HR. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And I think there's a lot, obviously, we can learn from the consumer side uh, of the business, especially as we think about uh, employer brand. Um, and I want to, you know, before we wrap up, I have one more question I want to get your input on. And, and it's around the importance of um, vulnerability and openness in leadership. And, um, you know, you had a post several months ago. I know that there's a period of time at Mentimeter where uh, your CEO was out, you were in the interim CEO role. Um, and then they returned and you moved, you know, into the chief people officer role that you're in now. But I, you, you, put, you shared a post on LinkedIn that I found really refreshing because it was very open and vulnerable about the, the feelings that you were going through in that transition. And it, it was with a level of candor that, you know, we don't usually see um, LinkedIn um, that I think was very human um, and very real. But again, from a leadership perspective, you know, I, I think we've gone a long way from moving to this persona of like infallible leaders who are perfect and, and you know, in every way, it's I think now, especially after the pandemic, you know, that model is kind of scrapped. I think people are, are much more comfortable um, being real and open, but you had a level of candor and openness that, um, that I don't often see. And so I would love to just learn a little bit more about why it was important for you to kind of share your, your, your feelings, share the experience, uh, you know, do that in such an open and public way. 
So first of all, I mean, as we all know, like leadership is about role, mod role modeling always. So I mean, I talk a lot uh, internally about self-awareness, about self-leadership, about uh, emotional regulation, <laughs> about that you have, we always have the right to feel whatever we are feeling, uh, but we always need to think about our and and be responsible of our behavior so so like the, this uh, we need to separate these two things emotions and feelings we can have a lot of them they can be super negative they can be all over the place uh, but our uh, we also have an uh, we are obliged in a way in a business context to also then uh, think about our actions because our actions will trigger other people's <laughs> emotions or uh, or behavior and so on. And and it's the action part where we can take control, but the emotions part always need to be, I think, open, uh, open and, and transparent. Uh, and the reason I, I think this is important is because there are several studies showing that if we're suppressing negative emotions, it actually impacts our well-being, it impacts our performance, in, it impacts our engagement. So like... If I suppress my own negative emotions, basically it could lead to, to me quitting, to, to be honest. Uh, and I've seen that also around at Mentimeter when people are suppressing their negative emotions and do not like uh, share uh, with their manager or their peers how they're actually feeling about something uh, to just get um, that away and also conflicts are usually like 80% about feelings <laughs> actually uh, but to be able to move from feelings to more rational thinking and get access to our brain again we need to label our emotions and maybe share them in a safe space and feel listened to and feel heard uh, that's like the basics, basically. Okay, now that was a very long answer, but what I meant was that if I'm talking about this, I also need to do it. So I, I noticed when I came back, uh, or when uh, when our CEO Johnny came back, that I had a lot of negative emotions about like not feeling valued, feeling like a bit outside because I had one-to-ones with everyone in the management team and suddenly I didn't have that anymore. And also that my knowledge was not really valued. It felt like because I've, you know, been in so many interesting conversations about business and product-led growth and all that. And suddenly I was not in them anymore. And I, I really like started to understand that it was actually a lot of triggers in me, like this um, uh, feeling, uh, a lack of status, a lack of autonomy, not feeling uh, related to the team. Uh, also a bit unfairness that like, like uh, I did all this, but... Oh, and now what? <laughs> that, that, that feeling. So, uh, but I also know by my like profession that this is ghosts, uh, like emotional ghosts. Uh, but the only way uh, to to move forward is to label them, to acknowledge them, to share them, uh, and then uh, be more rational about it. Um, and suppressing them will, will only lead to bad things. So. So that was why, uh, and uh, I really like LinkedIn as a community. I feel very safe at LinkedIn. I know, unfortunately, that, that a lot of women actually get a lot of like negative uh, comments and and uh, one, um, direct messages, but I, I I don't feel that. I actually get a lot of encouragement and 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 the curious questions. So 
yeah, so it was just about, um, I guess, um, it helped me to label uh, my feelings and, and move to the next stage. So it was a way of reflecting, but very publicly in this case. Uh, but I also wanted to add that like, I would never have done it if I didn't feel so safe that I feel with Johnny, my, my manager, like the CEO of Mentimeter, because I know that I can write these kind of things uh, without him taking it personally or because we are also very open with our our uh, our emotions and that we're all struggling sometimes. And basically, we talked about it yesterday that when you're in the management team of a growing startup, scale up, I mean, we are all like, we have not done this before. Yeah. Everyone in our management team. It's new. I mean, we are having new challenges every day and no none of us have had this job before at this stage of a company so so we need to be super supportive yeah you know i, I it's it's such a interesting um kind of case study for psychological safety right like that's a concept that we talk a lot about in the field but you really brought it home in terms of the what it actually looks like and how it impacts your ability to be yourself and to communicate freely and to you know, have all the emotions that as a human you have, but also be able to share them and not feel unsafe in doing so. So yeah, I, 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 and also I think just the role modeling of being able to say, Hey, look, if these are the values that we want to encourage within Mentimeter, here I am, you're, you know, chief people officer, former interim CEO, and I'm laying it all out there. Um, and so I think that it just, it, it makes the, the stated very real as opposed to being a poster on a wall um, so yeah, I, I just, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Because I really want our, everyone at Mentimeter to feel safe, to, to open up, uh, about their, uh, emotions, uh, so we can together find like solutions and, and next step and, and like, uh, getting access to our cognitive ability again, uh, because that's what, what happens actually that you in this like threat uh, phase or when you feel, yeah, feel threatened, you don't have access to your full capacity. Capacity and I want to have that. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was my, my, uh, my method. <laughs> yeah, well, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing your career journey, your work, uh, your thoughts on curiosity, learning, design thinking, and so much more. So thank you so much. If, if the listeners want to connect with you uh, after the show, is LinkedIn the best place? Yes. LinkedIn is, uh, please join the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And we will see you back here, same place, same time, next week with Redefining Work Reports. Yay. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Redefining Work. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, and more, be sure to check out amplifytalent.com slash podcast. And if you dig this podcast, I strongly encourage you to share it with your CEO, leadership team, and friends to help others discover it. And if you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on Spotify or Apple or wherever your preferred podcast delivery vehicle is. We'll see you next episode.